Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about new home sales, mortgage rates, and why the housing market is in such a mess right now. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. I know this morning you are on CNBC. We're filming this on Friday. So uh, you had a segment and I'd like to talk to you about some of those same things and start out with, you know, why is housing in such a mess right now? Yes. You know, um, CNBC always asks for talking points before you go on air. And I just said, the first thing is housing still in a mess. And, uh, you know, the new home sales report, you know, showed what's the possibility of housing can be stabilizing uh, rates moving from 7.37 to 6%. The builders, of course, are, are, are paying down mortgage rates lower than that. And the builders can move product. All that was good up until two, three weeks ago. And then rates just shot back up again. And housing is one of these things where if you look in the previous expansion, rates move up and down slowly. We're talking a quarter, half a percent move might be a drama, you know. But you're working from you're working from a level that you know you could understand what your total payment's going to be. So housing found some stabilization. We saw it in the new home sales data. We see the stabilization in the existing home sales data, which might increase uh, uh, next time. But then rates just shot back up. So when you talk about rates shooting back up, what you have to realize now is that there's a rate lock risk back in play. And last year, when mortgage rates went from six and a quarter to 5%, we saw a little bit of stabilization in data, but it wasn't any long. And we went to 7.37%. Here, you know, 7.3, 5.99, we're almost back up to seven again. And you just can't uh, you, you, you know, this reminds me of how third world countries react when our dollar gets too strong. Rates get very wild. And right during a spring season, you know, a, a family goes, okay, my total payment is going to be this at this percent. And then all of a sudden it shoots up. So the question is, do you even list your home in this environment? Because you don't want to be somebody that, okay, I list a home. I'm thinking maybe 5.75%. And then now it's almost at seven again. You almost want to take back your listing, you know? So I, I just think if you could get any kind of stabilization, you get a little bit more uh, uh, better forward looking uh, housing data. But uh, we did that. And I think some people were surprised that 6% mortgage rates created that stability. But I always tell people, we are such low levels of sales historically. Even the new home sales data, where I tell people for months now, if you take the new home sales uh, sales reports and you adjust it to the cancellation, we are near like where we where we usually see bottoms historically are like three hundred seventy five to four hundred twenty five thousand. That's usually the bottom. So we, I think, one of the earlier prints we had was five hundred forty three thousand. That was even adjusting to cancellation. So we're not that far from historical low levels of new home sales. So any kind of life gives you a little bit of kick. Um, but again, rates shooting back up as fast as then you just go, well, you know what? Not this year. Um, we're going to get the seasonal inventory increase soon, 
Um, again, we, we've talked about this in Housing Wire, that why homes uh, inventory uh, seasonal bottoms are coming a little bit later in life, just because demand has picked up toward the end of the year, uh, which is abnormal. But here, it's just, this is the mess part of it. Uh, while I'm very happy that days on market are above 30 days now, uh, it was the main reason why I took the savagely unhealthy housing market theme up, you still can't really have a functioning a housing market when rates are so wild, up and down, right? Up and down, because you think, oh, wait, rates went out of quarter, you know? So uh, it shouldn't be shocking to people. And one of the things I told on CNBC is that the year-over-year new listings data is negative. And I don't think people could understand this. We are not using a very hard, high comp here. We're using the lowest levels ever recorded in history as our comps, and we're still negative, and we're almost in March. So. Um, that's not encouraging for sales, and that just shows that uh, uh, why people are a little bit more hesitant now to list and the volatility of the marketplace, which again, it, we, we, it just reminds me of how third world countries uh, have this. Uh, rates are just moving too fast, up and down, and that's just not functioning. Um, so let's talk about inventory. So every weekend, you look at the Altos research data that you now have access to, and you write the housing market tracker for Monday. So this is coming out on Monday, that it will be available Monday morning. You, What do you think, when, when do we start to see the, even if it's a small pickup, that seasonal increase for spring home selling? Is that this week? Is that next week? What, what do you think? It, it- it should be anytime soon over the next three weeks or ne- uh, it, over the next three weeks, we should be bottoming out on inventory. And then we start to see the increase in March and April and uh, um, going out until the, again, the fall and, and winter where things uh, fall down. But for me, it's it's the new listings data year over year. And one of the reasons why, you know, you know last year, I... In, in my work, I've always said existing home sales ha- traditionally has like a floor bottom post-1996, it's 4 million. And after June of last year, when new listings data started to decline year over year, right? There's always the seasonal. It declined earlier and faster and negative on a year-over-year basis. That was, to me, a really big story last year. And I said, listen, if that keeps on happening, new home sales could keep on falling to, even down to 4 million. And that's what we got. The last existing home sales report got down to 4 million. If you still have new listings growth being negative year over year, you could have more uh, uh, leeway to go down in sales to below historical levels because what I've stressed for a very long time and what I talked about on CNBC, CNBC asked, you know, are you surprised about the consumer, the, the homeowner? No. No, it, you know, uh, um, it's this continuous fight that I've had over the last 10 years. If you look at what the 2005 bankruptcy reform laws and the 2010 qualified mortgage laws did, it has facilitated the best homeowner loan profiles we'll ever see in our lifetimes. It just requires reading. And this has just been, it has just been so difficult. And, and I sit here and I, and I really wanted to like tell CMEC, you keep on putting stock traders who were bearish from 2010 to 2020 with some Mickey Mouse theory of a recession. All wrong, right? The network facilitated the most incorrect recession college. Then COVID came and they all went into the depression mode. We recovered from that within weeks. And then you have, again, um, the, the premise that nominal credit growth 
is recessionary, even though it goes with expansion data. And here we are, why is rates going up? The data is really good. PCE inflation, the growth rate service, people are spending. So as long as that continues, right? Remember, I'm not a Fed pivot person because the not only is the demographics different now, the household balance sheets are different now. So everyone that was saying we went into a recession in January of 2022, oh boy, that did not work out. Why? Because the other data lines were telling you things were okay, but people just chose not to read. And we've always tried to stress this at Housing Wire. Reading is a good thing, right? You think you're cool by saying the US is going to recession. No, you're not. You look like a jack bleep and you've done it for 12, 13 years. It's the same people right? And the construct of this notion of I'm smarter than everyone, even though I can't read the data has, again, we're sitting here and why is the bond yields going up? Because spending is still up and the economy is still expanding. So you have to wait until jobless claims break. And then when that occurs and when credit starts to really deteriorate, then we could go into this conversation, but no, it's it's this is this has been a big talking point. And remember, none of my six recession red flags were up in the previous expansion, longest economic and job expansion in history, right? The model is designed to be early and then just basically hand off to the claims data, which then you could see credit deteriorating. Not there, not yet. So you know, you mentioned bond market and and yields going up. So. Earlier today, I heard on CNBC, um, the Cleveland Fed president talking about how they don't think, you know, necessarily jobs don't have to, they don't have to see all that happen in the job market to see, you know, what's happening with inflation. So kind of break this down for me, because it's very confusing to me. On one hand, we have, you know, inflation is cooling off. And on the other hand, it's like, we don't see that in the jobs data. On the other hand, uh, bond yields are going up. So can you kind of explain that to me? So historically speaking, when the Federal Reserve fights inflation, it's always created a recession. So that's that. I think, I think those of us who, who study economic history, we know this. What I stressed out today's a uh, Friday was a personal consumption expenditure day, right? So that's that's the PCE. That's what the Fed tracks. It wants it to go back down to two percent, and if the growth rate is cooling down, and you know by the end of the year we're going to have a three handle. The Federal Reserve for a long time told you that they just want to get rates to 5%, whether it's five and a quarter or five, or even five and a half. Then they're just going to stick because if the PCE growth rate will come down toward the end of the year and have a three handle the year over year, then they are in theory in a restrictive or accommodative stance to be restrictive, however people want to define it. They just want it to hold there longer. So there is no 1970s inflation, which I don't, I don't buy into that because I one thing I've actually figured out now after this whole inflationary issue is how little people knew about the 1970s inflation, right? I mean, you need to be an extreme housing bull uh, uh, to be a 1970s because rent inflation takes off. And and another thing I, I, I bring up is that when we go back to the housing bubble years, right? And then we see how inflation grew back then. The PCE inflation averaging out uh, 2002 to 2006 was roughly kind of where the Fed's target is. Uh, so it's not home prices. It's all about rents, right? And we all know the growth rate of rents are falling. And, you know, uh, but there's so much market noise because the people that 
want to see housing crash because they hate everyone are usually the people that hate the Federal Reserve. And what I've seen in evolution, which is I think is a positive, which means some of them actually started to read, you can't be a high inflation, high uh, uh, mortgage rates, high bond yields if the economy is in a recession. You can't. It can't be this way. I mean, the ten-year yield is still under four percent today, right? If the if the jobless claims or the data starts to get weaker, bond yields go down. That's what we've seen. You know, so, uh, the growth rate of inflation, bond yields go down. The Federal Reserve, whether they admit it or not, have the data to show them that they need to create a job loss recession. Because they don't believe they could, they've never been able to thread the needle. That's that's what they believe. Whatever the Cleveland Fed says, their history has shown you this because they they tend to overhike, uh, and they just can't sit there. So what they're trying to do is get a target Fed funds rate and just stay. And with all the noise around everything, is that people had anticipated the economic data to get weaker and weaker and weaker, but it's not doing that. Labor market is still jobless claims still under two hundred thousand. Um, the last time I had my six recession red flags up was late 2006. And that's with credit deterioration happening. The recession didn't happen until 2008. So I understand why a lot of people are saying we're going into a recession. The context of the discussion has been lost. And now we're in almost in March of 2023 and the economic data is picking up. So this is a difference between marketing stock market theories or just economic cycle tracking. And that's why I always say my work is boring. I'm just handing it off to the jobless claims data. And right now we're still fine. Once jobless claims start to break, the Fed loses the labor market and they feel comfortable that wage growth will fall down even more at that point. This is this is the threading of the needle that they want to do. And it's 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 it's. You know, we we nobody has been able to create breakaway inflation really this century until a global pandemic. And global pandemics all have a inflationary period and then a disinflationary period. It's where we end up in that disinflationary period. What's the rate of the uh, PCE inflation? And that's what the Fed really wants to track. So one member says one thing, the other member says nothing, and they're just they're just talking right now. But their original point was more pain. Labor market needs to ease, right? Uh, uh, their forecast of a recession is still this year because they have the unemployment rate much higher. And their growth rates are actually really low now, um, which hasn't come true. So toward the end of the year, if the labor market doesn't break and the growth trends are still, we're, we're here still. We're not, we're not moving anywhere lower. And that's, I think, the tug of war between what the Federal Reserve wants what the market thinks is going to happen in the economic data. But I always fall back to household balance sheets look so good now. And the most bearish people I know all say the same thing. If a few people are defaulting on subprime auto loans, that means it's 2008. Uh, and it's the it's the nominal belief that a small percentage of people in the whole Debt sphere. When they start defaulting, that means everyone's defaulting. This is a, this breaks down to a lack of education at this point, right? And this is why we want to take people on live debates to try to explain why the economy isn't in a recession. And it's it's it, the data is there to prove this.
So I know that you are not one that says we should look at the car industry and, you know, gain some insight from them, from what's happening there. What about, what do you think when you look at like commercial office space? I mean, I, you know, I follow a lot of people on Twitter who, who feel like there's a coming apocalypse there. Does that have any, you know, wh- what kind of impact Sarah, everyone on Twitter that's coming apocalypse. Do you remember? Do you remember the retail? I I don't know if people remember this when retail sales were falling because Amazon was taking all the shares, and they said that the retail apocalypse is coming because Payless shoes went out of business. Okay, well, if you saw the my local mall where, where you know we had we had tigers in there at one point, let me just say, but but seriously, like I think from a um, when you look at office space specifically, there is a pretty big, huge things hap- happening there. Does that have any? impact on the single family homes. When office space has problems making money, does that directly hit the consumer? I mean, where does the consumer get hit in that? The people owning the debt get hit. The companies that own that debt will get hit. Their workers will get hit because of that eventually, but to the general consumer who is working from home and not needing to pay as much as gas, is that a net benefit to the consumption? So that's 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 the best way for me to uh, explain the office uh, landscape. You're going to see uh, companies file for bankruptcy or whatever, you know, in that sense. But when we think about what's the U.S. economy, the U.S. economy is just consumption. So if gas prices are falling, which they have, right, people feel better because gas prices uh, falling down is an improvement, that is a direct savings uh, 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 to their disposable income. And when they're not working in the commercial offices, they're working from home. That's even more of a savings. So I think the, the commercial I, I, commercial industry, you're going to have people, you know, companies get in trouble because you know they don't generate revenues. You're going to have states and cities you know that that are still flushed with cash but a lot of their tax revenues are coming from these property taxes that they would collect but when we think about the US consumer they in a sense it's a net benefit because they they drive less so they spend less in gas and then gas prices are down so that that's why I'm I'm careful on not trying to put too much weight on the commercial industry that sector itself the employers of that sector um but residential construction single family homes we're still finishing the old backlogs housing permits are falling all year long there's no reason for the builders to still uh, fix that the commercial side will impact the credit that'll be banking stress but the net consumer is they're benefiting in a sense working from home uh, and spending less on um, on energy do you expect to see you know the the kind of unemployment that you've outlined like hey we hit this level and that's where the fed starts its pivot do you, you know, see the, any sector out there that could could there, make that there, happen there there is nothing in the jobless claims data that's getting and when i talk about my 323,000 um four week moving average number that is a historically low number it's just that if we get from 195,000 to there the labor market is breaking and it's breaking in enough sectors to where you can have a job loss. When that occurs, bond yields will get well ahead of the Fed. And the Federal Reserve most likely will sit there and go, what should we do? I don't know. Okay. So I'm assuming they're going to do what I've always thought that they're going to be 
old and slow, but the bond market will get ahead of them. I mean, the bond market twice has tried to get ahead of them already. And even today, we're still under 4% on the 10-year yield, right? Um, so I think uh, let's let's let the data tell us Right. Let's not let's not do the Wall Street assumptions. I mean, it hasn't worked for 13 years. Um, let's just we're in a point to where I think it's it's viable to talk about a recession watch. But until like jobless claims start to rise and credits start to deteriorate even more, let's be careful of going to that route first. And this is why this is why I had, you know, four and a quarter still as the top level for the 10 year yield uh, uh, for seven and a quarter. Uh, mortgage rates, uh, not because I thought inflation was going to reaccelerate higher. It's just that early on there was nothing in the data, and remember we 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 present models so people could understand them. If jobless claims had been rising, we're like at two hundred sixty k, or continuing claims were rising, that's a different story. It's not there yet. So January and February economic data was was strong. I don't think it could sustain itself to those levels, but at this point. We just push along right now, and they'll, they'll, there will be a time where jobless claims start to rise and everything. That's when bond yields will move a little bit, uh, not a little bit, move much faster than the Federal Reserve. And then when the job loss recession happens, then we get to see what's the Federal Reserve going to do. I don't know if they're going to be uh, COVID-19 aggressive, like cutting rates right away, but most likely they'll try to fight it as much as they can. But let's, let's kind of, let's forget about the Fed. It's a 10-year yield. The housing market really revolves around the 10-year yield right now, right? It's not because we don't, our demographics are bad. No, our demographics are solid. It's not because credit is getting tight. No, I mean, credit really can't get tight. It's where the 10-year yield goes. And the 10-year yield getting to, you know, 3.31% intraday, you, we saw some stabilization just because home sales are down so much. Uh, uh, we focus on the bond market, not so much of what the Federal Reserve, where they're behind a curve or, or ahead of the curve, and claims is it, right? So jobless claims still doing good. Honey badger labor market, Sarah, right? You know, um, we we brought that term up last year, not for it to be cute or anything. We just think the structural dynamics of the U.S. economy are a little bit different than what people assume, and I could always correlate this to people who did not versed themselves in the bankruptcy reform laws in 2010. Even CNBC asked me uh, uh, in the morning, are you surprised about the consumer doing well? And I said, why would I be surprised? The data shows this for a long time. It's just that the biggest critics of the US economy all hate the Federal Reserve. And it's just, there's no, there's no way, there's no way we can get around this. And a lot of these are stock traders also. So, it, and which is the funny part is most of them are always net long. So even when they make money, they're angry. Just imagine that. Sarah Wheeler, think about that for a second. You've lived in America for 20 years and you're always angry because of the Fed and you're, you're making money, but it doesn't matter. You just are so angry. So let the data talk to you. Um, jobless claims at this point, again, I'm, my six recession red flags are up. I'm just looking at claims. We'll look at credit deterioration. Commercial industry has uh, has uh, stuff to deal with uh, when those 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 loans are due. Housing market still in a mess. You know, rates are just moving up way way too fast. We'll take it one week at a time. That's why the tracker is created to give an example. Because look how fast things move. I mean, just a month ago, everybody's like, "Oh, look at this! Housing is yeah." And then, whew, just in two weeks, rates just shot right back up. 
It's got to be so challenging if you're in the industry, right? This industry that we cover. You were a mortgage loan officer for a long time and as well as an economist and just, you know, operating in this environment where the volatility, where you just really don't know what's coming next. I think that's the hardest thing. Pre-COVID, we worked with things that were slow moving, but just like the COVID-19 recovery model, Right, it it sounded crazy writing on April seventh, twenty twenty. That I think we'll recover. I not think I believe we will recover in twenty twenty. But when people say that, they think there's no way a data can move that fast. Oh yes, it can in this environment. Here, it things are just we're not accustomed to to high velocity data or high moving bond markets in, in a very short amount of time with rates this high. So I think it's it. it we're, we're studying human behavior in the sense to when will people just say, I don't want to buy another home at this. And, 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 and I get in this conversation why I hate the mortgage rate lockdown. It's a total cost. Like right now, this week, Sarah Wheeler, someone is listing their homes to sell and they're going to buy another one. And w- mortgage rates- you just had to bring up yeah, the mortgage I, I, rate I, lockdown I, I, again. I, I okay, hate, we will fight about word. this again. I hate it. I hate it. I'm, I'm going to go to war. <laughs> I'm going to go down to the pits of hell with that one. Okay, and 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 prove that it, it's not a valid premise. But somebody's listing their home this week. They know rates are almost at seven percent. The mortgage rate is not preventing them from doing that because they can buy a home. So whatever their selling equity is, and they sell and they buy another house. That total payment cost is fine for them. That's why I don't I don't like the mortgage rate lockdown. It's the total housing cost. And what's occurred is that total housing cost was low before COVID, right? 5% mortgage rates didn't create more inventory in 2018. Sub 4% mortgage rates didn't really create more inventory in, in 2019. The listings are based on the total housing cost and what you can sell your house for and what you can buy. And higher mortgage rates and higher total housing costs is limiting that that buying process but it but it doesn't like shut it off completely so there're going to be sellers that's why i always say that they're going to we're always going to see the seasonality of inventory inventory should increase uh it's just the 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 that number is is not as big as as people had thought over the last 10 years Yes, well, to me, it's sort of semantics to say, well, the overall housing cost is not just specifically the mortgage rate, because I think that's the part that most people are paying attention to. But I realize, I realize I'm talking to a data guy and you have data on your side on some of this. So I am open to being, uh, you know, open to your perspective. But from my perspective, it's, you can call it whatever you want. If the total cost is too high, people are on the sidelines. Another another phrase that you you dislike, <laughs> and and that is that is a affordability issue, which was always the the premise of years twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty four that you have to worry. And I think I I, I found actually a, a more simple way to talk about this. Um, if demand is stable, but the total inventory of the country breaks to all time lows, isn't that an inflationary environment? Right. You know, so the supply is the story here because, you know, 2020 existing home sales were only 130,000 more than 2017. So why did we not see this massive uh, home price gains in 2017? It's because total active listings were much higher. Here, we just had consistent inventory falling and falling. And 2022 was the worst housing market I ever saw. But now that the days on market is growing, right? Things are taking so that's a positive in that sense. And we are trying to find balance. But uh, the reason I, the reason I don't like 
I, I now I truly despise the mortgage. I, I'm so glad we're going to fight about this, you know, uh, for a long time because there are people right now that are selling their homes and buying, and the mortgage rate does not affect them because the total housing cost is fine. Uh, we're not going down to zero sales or zero listings. We're really low in listings, by the way. I mean, we're like forty-two thousand new listings. Uh, um, just it's mind-boggling that. But this is this has been in the story, in the works, and I, my data can show this over the last ten years. This is why I told CMBC. I said, "Hey, listen, think about it this way: fixed debt cost, fixed debt cost, rising wages." This story has been here for a very long time. It was why? Because the entire credit channels have all changed, right? Most people just get 30-year fixes. Before, you know, uh, the qualified mortgage, people were moving around with debt, with structured debt that can facilitate people moving, right? Those loans aren't here anymore. So we're back to like a traditional old school 30-year fix cycle. And I just don't think a lot of people have looked at it in that way. So Oh my God, my wages keep on rising every single year, but my debt payments are saying I've refinanced a few times. My total housing cost is so good. So why would the consumer be stressed in an environment where their biggest cost is very low and their wages are rising even more uh, during an inflationary period? So in a sense, the United States of America's 30-year mortgage housing was the best household hedge against inflation. And that's a net positive for consumption. Um, now, eventually over time, uh, interest costs and things come up and, and sectors start to get blown, right? Eventually, if uh, if the builders can't sell enough homes, they're going to wipe through their backlog. They're going to lay off construction workers, uh, commercial industries, areas that uh, aren't building. They're not going to need that's that'll come later on and we'll see that in it. But as of right now, it shouldn't have surprised people that consumption is holding up, just holding up. I, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I mean, it's not like economic growth is, is, is booming in the sense of adjusting to inflation. Right. But um, it's just that it's good enough to keep the cycle moving. And when it deteriorates at this stage, we'll see it in the data. It, there, it is impossible for us not to see it in data. We're just not there yet. We're not there yet. Well, we are out of time. I hate to have a whole uh, segment about why we're in such a mess. I always want to find the silver lining. Right now, though, I think we're just- Oh, I'll tell you the silver lining. The days on market is up, right? And also, this is this is another thing I, I'm, I'm constantly telling people. If mortgage rates got below 5.75% and trended lower, everyone would change their housing market. Well, why do I use that? Okay, 5.75 is my kind of bottom end level. Uh, for 2023. Uh, the only way we really get below that is the, the economic data starts to get weaker. But my affordability index changes from a very negative to somewhat manageable uh, if rates can get back below five point below 5.875. This is something that's been with my work for the last 10 years. This is why I wrote about it so extensively in this uh, 2023 forecast. So just imagine right now, what we know currently is when rates got back down to 6%, the housing market stabilized. Imagine going below that and just sticking there, right? And just staying there and not shooting up there. We could find something to work with. And that's why I, you know, so much of the 2023 forecast was those 10-year yields and rate predictions, because that changes a lot of my thinking if we can get there. I'm just not a Fed pivot person because I, I didn't see the deterioration in the economy in the sense that some people had thought was occurring in January of 2022. 
We are, we are, our fingers are crossed for those low rates. Um, and I would just tell our, our listeners, go look at the housing market tracker. It'll be uh, live this morning when this comes out on Monday morning. That'll give you a lot of information. And Logan, thanks for being with us. Pleasure to be here, Sarah. And I can't wait to fight with you on the mortgage rate lockdown for the next few years. We've got lots of fighting to do. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.